are listening to Email Friday on Law and Gospel on this September the 9th in the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and uh, we're going to begin with by reminding you that if you appreciate your pastor, this coming October is Pastor Appreciation Day, and what a wonderful gift to give to him, but the Law and Gospel book by C.F.W. Walther, a reader's edition. It's over, it's almost 500 pages long, and it can be purchased from Concordia Publishing House. The cost would be around $54 with postage and handling. But we're going to be giving you the book for $40, and that includes postage and handling. Send it directly to your house. Just email me at lawandgospel at lawandgospel101.com and indicate that you'd like to have a copy of this book, namely Law and Gospel by C.F.W. Walther. Okay. Let's take a look at some emails that came in. You know, a lot of people are really worried about how the government is coming out against Christianity. California is a good place to recognize the antithesis it has towards Christianity. They did a rule requiring churches to cover abortions in their private health insurance plans. Well, guess what? Judge Kimberly Muller of the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of California ruled against that law that California attempted to pass and ruled in favor of Foothill Church Calvary Chapel, Chena Hills, and Shepherd of the Hills Church. They sued over a, a California Department of Managed Health Care Policy requiring, quote, the removal of any limitations on or exclusions of abortion services from the health care coverage offered to various employers including the plaintiffs. Well, the legal nonprofit alliance defending freedom, who represented these churches, touted the ruling as a victory for religious employers. The government cannot force a church or any other religious employer to violate their faith and conscience by participating in funding abortion, said Jeremiah Kalos in a statement reacted to the ruling. For, for years, he said, California has unconstitutionally targeted faith-based organizations, so we were pleased that the court has found this mandate unconstitutional and will allow the churches we represent to operate freely according 
to their religious beliefs. So the plaintiff churches objected to the new policy, citing concerns that it would violate their religious beliefs, which says that life begins at conception. And that's clear from the Bible, because when Mary visits Elizabeth, after Gabriel tells her that she will become pregnant with Jesus, it's only a day or so she visits Elizabeth after that, and Elizabeth refers to her as she being the mother of the Lord. So Jesus already was within her womb, and John the baptizer, who was in the womb of Elizabeth, for six months, well, he jumped for joy, realizing that Jesus was in the womb of Mary. So that is establishing that a child from conception is a human being. So we have some real hope, particularly through the courts and the Supreme Court, that we will not be forced to do certain things. The woman who was an Obama appointee was the one who tried to set up this plan against the churches. And the other thing they have discovered is that abortion provider Planned Parenthood played an instrumental role in crafting the mandate against the churches. So Planned Parenthood was part of the process in the development of the policy. And that was very important to understand. You know, Planned Parenthood says, oh, we're not really that involved in abortions. But the court was discovered that following a meeting with Planned Parenthood officials, California began working to create an interpretation of California state law regarding the necessity of all churches having abortion coverage. And of course, that now has failed. You see, the Bible is really superior to anybody's personal thoughts. And that came about in another email that received from Robin Schumacher. And it's entitled, Evading Jesus. The British agnostic philosopher Bertrand Russell was once asked what he would say to God if he discovered the Creator did, in fact, exist, which he did not believe. He said, I'd say, why didn't you give me enough evidence to believe? See, that's really sad, because Russell really indicated that there wasn't enough evidence to believe. 
even though it was clear from the Bible that Jesus lived. The awful thing about playing evasion games with Jesus is they amount to eternal Russian roulette with a round in every chamber. Jesus himself says in John chapter 8, verse 24, Unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Now, if, if that isn't in opposition to the official position of the ELCA, Evangelical Lutheran Church of America now, who believes that you don't have to believe in Jesus. You can be a Hindu or a Buddhist or a Jew and not believe in him. This is in stark contrast to the Bible's revelation in Acts chapter 3, verses 22 and 23, where Peter says, Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. To him you shall give heed to everything he says to you. And it will be that every soul that does not listen to that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. In other words, ducking Jesus now is hazardous to your eternal health later. Schumacher also wrote, The God you cannot make up. Now this is a point we've been making for some time on law and gospel. And I'll explain what I mean. When his atheist friends asked W.H. Alden why he left atheism for Christianity, he said the following, I believe in Jesus because he fulfills none of my dreams. I want to repeat that. It really has to sink in. I believe in Jesus because he fulfills none of my dreams. Now, if you go to most churches today, they'll tell you the exact opposite. At the very least, the message given is that Christ will remove the hardships you have in life. And in some cases, the line delivered is that Jesus wants you rich and in perfect health from top to bottom. Now that seems pretty dreamy. Because did not Christ say, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And then John writes, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may be prospering and be in good health. Yes, those Bible passages from Matthew 11 and John chapter 1 are written by the Holy Spirit. But if you look at the context, what Jesus meant 
was relief from the law plus all the additional weight the religious leaders added to it plus freedom from sin and its consequences. In other words, let's return to Auden's statement about believing in Jesus because he isn't a dreamboat. What does that mean by a former atheist, now a Christian? Well, he gives us a little bit more clarity with this following statement. Jesus is in every respect the opposite of what he would be if I could make him in my own image. In other words, what Auden is saying, Jesus is the God you can't make up. I challenge you to find another religion outside of Christianity where Jesus is not made in the image of the people who follow that religion. There, there was a time, in fact, historically, when illiterate people asserted that Jesus was an invention of the ancient church. For example, in their book, The Jesus Mysteries, authors Timothy Frecky and Peter Gandhi wrote, why should we consider the stories of Osiris, Dionysius, Adonis, Attis, Mithras, and other pagan mystery saviors as fables? yet come across essentially the same story told in a Jewish context and believe it to be the biography of a carpenter from Bethlehem. Well, Bruce Metzger, who is one of the best 20th century scholars on the subject, said this, Today, No competent scholar denies the historicity of Jesus. You got to remember that after Frecky and Gandhi's inspiration, there followed him other discredited writers. The controversial figure Bruno Bauer, who died in 1882. He put forward a series of widely disputed works nearly 200 years ago, arguing that Jesus never lived. His work was picked up by Albert Kultoff, who died in 1906. And he went so far as to claim that Jesus never existed and was not the founder of Christianity. After Bauer and Kaltoff came James Fraser. He wrote a book entitled The Golden Bough, where he argued the theory of widespread worship of dying and rising fertility gods in various places. But 
as always happens when questionable theories meet a brutal gang of facts, their assertions have been thoroughly rejected by modern historical scholarship. Because Jesus, he's just not found in the Bible. But there are other documents that speak about his reality, his historicity, and how people believed he rose from the dead. In fact, if you take a look at the New Testament, it puts such false claims to rest with its narratives. The Bible tells us that the people of Jesus' day did not think he was the same old, same old type of false Greek and Roman God. We read instead, Paul is regarded to be a proclaimer of strange deities because he was preaching about Jesus and the resurrection. In fact, when people heard that, they brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new teaching is which you are proclaiming, for you are bringing some strange things to our ears. So we want to know what these same strange things mean. That's in Acts chapter 17. No, Jesus was something entirely new from any religion of his day. And that newness is more than most people can bear, both back then and even today. In fact, when asked how Jesus differed from Buddha and Confucius, Mohammed Auden said the following, None of the others arouse all sides of my being to cry, Crucify him. See, that was by a Muslim. What is being articulating is the same thing spoken of by Aristotle. Hundreds of years before Christ came on the scene, Aristotle was asked, what would happen if a perfect man was introduced to a society? You know how he answered? He said the man would be killed because his beauty and goodness would painfully highlight the imperfections of everyone else. This is the Jesus of the Bible, one with hard edges. His sinlessness eventually evoked explicit hatred or silent disgust with the vast majority of those people in his day. In fact, he himself warned, Blessed is he who does not take offense at me. See, this is the importance of understanding law and gospel. While every other god 
that man makes up does have law. Do this or you won't live. Every other religion teaches that you're able to do what the God says. And therefore, you can merit your way to heaven. Christianity and the whole Bible doesn't do that at all. Even in those passages, like in Deuteronomy 20, where Moses talks about the necessity of following the commandments in order that you might live. Well, when people read that, they think Christianity is the same as every other religion. But they need to examine very carefully Deuteronomy 20. Because how does Moses tell his people that they are going to live? He says that they will be circumcised in the heart. Now, who does that circumcision? God does. And in Romans, it talks about what that new circumcision is. It's baptism. Baptism into the waters that God provides us in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit provides two gifts. The gift of the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. So what Moses is talking about, and which the rest of the Bible really says, is that the life of sanctification can only be done by a believer in Jesus Christ, who is given the gift of the Holy Spirit to do good works. In other words, Jesus is not welcoming by those who do not have faith in him. They call him evil. And he says we are not worthy of him if we don't hate everyone else by comparison. Now, see, that was a text that Jesus says, if you follow me, you will need to hate your mother and your father and your son and your daughter and everything else. But we have to understand that that word hate doesn't mean that you'll have a horrible attitude towards these people. It means that Jesus is no longer your number one love. You love your family more than you do Jesus. To hate your family is to put them in a secondary response to your love of Jesus. Now, when you love Jesus, he informs you. Remember, obey your parents. Love them. Do good to your neighbor. But then you're doing it not because you're forced to, not because you're compulsed to, but because you love Jesus so much. No wonder in, even in the Old Testament, Isaiah 53, verse 3, reminds us, he was despised because we did not 
esteem him. See, this is what Auden is saying, that our fallen hearts, our old Adam, cry out for his crucifixion because of the preaching of the law. Who's going to tell me that I can't do what I want? You have a whole state in California who thinks that abortion is just getting rid of a part of a woman's body. No, it's murdering a human being. And that's very clear from the Bible. So the court has ruled that California cannot allow a law to stand where churches have to make sure they have abortion coverage in their insurance plans because that is contrary to the will of God. So when you, when you look at Jesus, does he sound like a God that you would make up? No one events a God like Jesus because he's far too traumatizing. There is nothing in this universe more terrifying or more threatening in a person's sense of security and well-being than the holiness of God. This is why Luther, in the small catechism, in the meaning of the commandments, begins, we should fear and love God. Left to ourselves, no one would be able to invent the God as revealed in the Bible. The being who is a threat to our sense of security, more primal and more fundamental than any act of nature or any thought of a human being. In other words, every time human beings have been a God, they've invent a controllable God. Jesus is not controllable, but by believing in him, he controls your life and sets you up for heaven as your home because he's forgiven your sins, paid for them on the cross. We'll continue this discussion Monday on Law and Gospel. God bless you. Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.